Okay. I think I, I don't, it's dystopic. Well, I'm sorry. Second. Wait a second. I don't want this, Karen. Can, can you go back? <laughs> no, 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 no. This, you get the brighter. No, I'm happy. Go back to the bookshelf. Go back to the bookshelf. We want, we want dirty dancing, Karen. <laughs> you find her? <laughs> there she is. Oh, there she is. <laughs> oh, there she is. <laughs> oh, my God. The girl. The girl. Um, <laughs> she always had gum in her mouth. Hey, this is Steve with the Punch-Up Podcast. With me on this episode are Kevin Reagan. Hi, Steve. Ian O'Shea. Hey, Steve. Jesse Preisendorfer. Hey, Steve. And our storyteller is Karen Getz. Karen, welcome. Hi, Steve. I keep cutting you off after the, before the welcome. That's yeah, okay. I feel welcomed. <laughs> you should. This is a story of how I almost got fired from the first movie I ever made. Um, and then didn't. Um, Spoilers, Jesus, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't, that part doesn't matter. The firing part is actually, you'll see. So, uh, you know, I'm in New York and I'm doing things like summer stock and I'm living with my parents and then I'm, and I'm trying to get jobs. And so- How old are you? Now I'm 23. 23. I was 23. I'm 23. You got some summer stock under your belt. You're yeah. out of theater school. You're out in the real world auditioning and yeah sort of so I just get I get home from doing this uh, summer stock gig and then like the jobs I get are like I do this terrible bus and truck uh tour of Chicago not the place Chicago we toured Western Virginia in like a, an unheated school bus and that was a what the musical Chicago yeah oh 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 okay in an unheated school bus in Western Virginia in the winter Oh boy. Wow. Otherwise okay. known as paying dues. Yes. Play. You don't know anything about that, doing theater for nothing for very few people and just ripping your heart out and throwing it on the stage and six people are there. That sounds too painful for me. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that's the end of the night. Ripping applause. Yeah. That sounds like my ninth grade algebra class every day. <laughs> so, well, yes, that's that's what was my situation, and yeah. I was doing things like that. I was play I played an asteroid in a rock musical, and um, I played all the non-female parts in Three Sisters, in, in like uh, an avant-garde production of Three Sisters, and in the alphabet. I just did anything, and I was taking dance class every single day. Oh wow! And, um, but you you just loved it. That's why you did it. You you were like, did you have aspiration? Were you like, I want to be famous? Or did you just want to work? Or were you like, I just love this and I'm not worried about what is next or? Yes. <laughs> That's yeah. the perfect answer. Okay. I wish I wish I hadn't had the I want to be famous thing. Um, that was just like miseducation I, on the part I, of- I think like, that's youth. I, I really think that's youth. Yeah, I agree. Like, my six-year-old wants to be famous. She yeah. thinks if she does a TikTok, Charlie Suchin Balls will pick it up and she'll be famous. Be Charlie Suchin Balls? Yeah. I you think know? Charlie Suchin Balls? Yeah, she's apparently a big deal on TikTok. I, I will say that there are like seven other stories I just thought of about all the reasons how I learned very quickly when I moved to LA why I definitely never wanted to be famous. 
Was it because um, we said such and balls and you're like, oh, I have a, I have a story. And I thought about John Goodman. Like, like, no, I just like. My six-year-old just wants to be famous. My six-year-old just wants to be yeah. famous. Not, she doesn't know what that means. She just wants to be famous. Yeah, Ian, my yeah. daughter's the same way. Yeah. Let them talk to me and I'll tell them about how unhappy all these famous people really are. Oh, I would love to send them to Madame DeVos. <laughs> Let me tell you stories about Bette Midler and yeah wildly inappropriate adult stories to my six-year-old i'm in madame devoe's humble camp yeah. i love this now this is yeah. new character her name is madame devoe and she smokes her fingers I, yeah. you, can smoke I you can't smoke anything these days inside, i want to know her inside yeah. you smoke your fingers outside you can smoke anything so i'm taking a dance class and i don't know what i'm going to do and i'm like you know, in New York. So in New York, which I later learned isn't true in Los Angeles. In New York, when I was a young 23-year-old, sort of this kind of like, is she Jewish? Is she Italian? What is she? Very, very popular. Yeah. Once I moved to LA, I became invisible. But that is another story. So I'm having fun. I'm spending a lot of time hating Donald Trump, actually, because in New York, the Oh, 80s, right. Oh, my God. Jesus. Yeah, Karen, you're just reliving the whole thing. Oh, yeah. It's all triggering all the time. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no um, and uh, like I'm walking through New York, it's hot, I'm poor, I'm commuting from New York, from Queens, I'm taking the express bus, which deserves to be a musical about pain and suffering. Um, do you guys know about what an express bus is? No. So New York is so vast, right? It's all five boroughs. And um, especially in the 80s, you needed to go to Manhattan to do most of the work. So everybody commuted to Manhattan. I grew up in this really beautiful part of Queens, the northeast part of Queens. So I'm like uh, just a mile or so from the... That's where you grew up? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I grew up in Queens. I didn't move to New York, you know, uh, Chip Stolzer, you know, yeah, yeah. born and bred, Queens girls, and we don't own that asshole in the White House. We're like Cindy Lauper, you know? Yeah. Yes. Yes. So you can take many different ways, but when you're a poor actor and you're like trying to get uh, like uh, any job to, to pay the rent, whatever, you got to figure out how are you going to commute to Manhattan and not lose your shirt. So right. there's going in with my father in the morning at six o'clock when he goes, he works, he used to work uh, across the street from the public library from across from 42nd street. I would have done fine. that. What? I would have done that. Yeah, but Steve, you would have done that and been an accountant. Like, you know, Karen's an actor. Yeah. <laughs> What's the problem? Just be an accountant. Do you know how many things there are to account in New York? Take a second and look at these two people's different hairstyles. And <laughs> Just let that artist die inside you. <laughs> Just smother it. Murder it. Just... <laughs> with, each, with each kilometer that ticks on the... The odometer, just your your heart and your soul is being clicked. The only reason that car runs, it's on your soul. You can't even remember it. <laughs> what soul? <laughs> so you could go in with dad, but and, right. and I did go to dad's office every day when I could because I got free lunch. They had a chef at his office and he sure. would give me 20 bucks, you know? It was great. My dad worked in the garment industry. He was awesome. But I couldn't get up that early because I was out, you know, going on dates with boys I met yeah. on the subway, you know? And you could take uh, two trains or a train and a bus. It would take about an hour, right? Uh, far out on Queens, on, on the island. And um, 
Or you could take the Long Island Railroad, which was the quickest way, but you had to get there and it was very expensive. Yeah, or you could take you have the- a Walkman? Or, no. I had a Walkman. Oh yes, I had a Walkman. And then eventually, like probably during this time, this I switched over to, you know, the- Discman. The what? Discman. Discman. Yeah, the Discman, yeah. Because Kate Bush was playing all the time, the heartbreak. I was heartbreaking over the Paramore. And, you know, I had to prove to him that I was going to be famous because he, he went back to his girlfriend or whatever and was sleeping with everybody. Summer and I, ended. Summer ended and my heart was heavy and I was filled with focus and determination to yeah. fuck him over and be famous. <laughs> so I would take the express bus in, which is like for $6.50, it takes you door to door in Queens, uh, and it, but it's on the expressway and it's like filled with fumes and it's filled with women who are going to go work in some office downtown and they never stop talking about whatever they're talking about and they talk all day long. They're just talking like this all the time and they, you know, they smell like a lot of perfume and it's the 80s. Big, so I would do that. Big shoulders. Oh yeah. 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 And, and I was wearing, like, of course, you know, it was like, I was wearing half gloves, um, <laughs> probably uh, like a jungle print one piece jumpsuit. Yeah. Reebok sneakers with puppy socks. Yep. Mm -hmm. And huge earrings, okay? Sounds like you were desperately seeking Susan. This is what you wore going to auditions? You're going to auditions and you're like... Well, it depended. If I was going to an acting audition, I might dress differently. But, if, uh, you know, and I got a commercial, like, I got a commercial agent, like, right away. I was going out for commercials, but, like, union, non-union commercials. Yeah. And I, I booked some. They were, they were ridiculous. But, um... No, for a dance audition, it didn't matter what you were wearing. because Oh, that makes sense. Bad. Of course, yeah. I was constantly changing my clothes. Um, <laughs> I was. Um, <laughs> so uh, anyway, I'm like dancing all day long, and I'm trying to get a gig and trying to get it out, like a waiting tables gig, anything. And it's just as hard to get a waiting tables gig as it is to get um, a, a, an acting gig, right? Yeah. Because the same people are trying to get both yeah. jobs. Yeah. Great. And then you get, I'm getting my headshots and I got great headshots and you check your service. Are you guys old enough to know yeah. that like, Oh yeah. 215-525-8200. Yeah. That was my service. Nice. Well, you had a New York number. Of course. Uh, two and two. I'm sorry. I said two and five. I've been here too long. Um, so I go to audition for a gig, which is waiting, which is called La Masquerade. And the whole gig is, and it's on Long Island. And what it is, is you go and you dance at people's bar mitzvahs and you make the party happen oh, by like oh. people up to dance. Yeah, mix it up. Yeah. So there's a bunch of them. So uh, mm. I do one for one group and then there's this other group called La Masquerade. And the guy says to me, we, we audition everybody, you come and do a gig for free and then we decide whether we're gonna keep you. Ugh, gross. And I'm like, yeah. oh. I'm like, Ugh. but I was just playing like I, I got cast in a Strindberg play because I had my own wig and I was doing it in the East Village. And I was like, what the fuck, whatever, okay? And I, I go and I, I do this gig and it, it goes great. So there's you, that, I don't know whether I get this. Are you wearing this wig or you, like, what are you, what are you rocking for, for like an, a free dance audition sort of thing? What, like, what would you likely be wearing? I'm sure I was wearing some variation of leggings uh -huh. with like a half top mm -hmm. that was like sparkly or off the shouldery. Mm -hmm. And you know, I had very short hair, of course, mm -hmm. like my signature short hair and big earrings. And um, I think they also had provided costumes. Okay. 
So I go and I go do it. I'm like, yeah, this is great. Meanwhile, I go to dance class the next day and uh, I go to Michelle Asaf's class, this famous choreographer. She's like, my friend Kenny's having an audition and you can't look Jewish, but if you look Italian or Irish, uh, you should go and it's just street dances. And I'm like, I don't know. And after you punched her in the throat, Oh no, typecasting was like, you know, you didn't even blink twice. It was, it was, it was lit the most 80s thing I can think of is exactly what was just said. It's like, right. it's yeah. like, it's like oh, Italian, Irish, we're good? Okay, sounds good. Yeah. Just like to say like in New York, this space is considered all American because it's like any ethnicity, I could be Puerto Rican, I could be yeah. Jewish, I could be Greek. In Los Angeles, I am ethnic. <laughs> I'm, still, ethnic. I'm, I'm still dying to ask you the very direct question. What are you? Me, really? <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> He's from LA. I'm just a mutt. I'm a Jewish mutt. Like, uh, I just found that all this, this is another story. I just found that all this cool stuff about my- Oh, cool. My, my, my Latvian Jewish family. But yes, I'm, I'm mostly Eastern European um, Jew and Israeli, like Palestinian Jew and British. You satisfied, Ian? Jeez. What I wanted to say is you're gorgeous and perfect, just the way you are. Oh, but you did. I, I come here for the other thing. Right, but I'm also That's very- why I used to come here. Yes, thank you. <laughs> so I like, ah, screw it. And like getting up and to catch the express bus in the morning when you don't know you have ADHD and you don't sleep at night, you're playing SimCity all night long or whatever, and or drinking or, you know, like, and my brother's home, my brother lives in New York. My brother's my best friend. He's almost six years older than me and he's the coolest person. So he like, he lives in Manhattan. I stay at his place a lot. He gets pissed when I use his apartment for sex and I don't tell him. How does and he find that out? So he was weird that way? Yeah, I would rather my sister not tell me. I'd be yeah. like, I don't want to hear this. What sets him off? To answer your question, Steve, he found out the hard way. No, God, no, thank God. <laughs> no, I just wouldn't change the sheets or anything. Like, yeah. I was... yeah, that's what I mean by the hard way, finding okay. someone else's semen on his sheets. <laughs> that will harden the sheets, that is true. <gasps> my, brother and, my brother is so cool. He like, always, ever since I was in high school, we're like, we go ushered at every off-Broadway show that we could, so. Cool has limits, cool has limits. And it's <laughs> it, it, yeah. someone else's semen yeah. on my sheets. And your sister is one of the only suspects. <laughs> one of the only, not the only, one of the only. Look, yeah, that's it. That's it's it. Manhattan. I don't know who's been in here. It's that or the manager, so. Yeah. <laughs> I forget why I didn't have the key. <laughs> it's either that or Schneider. <laughs> <laughs> this way, no shame. This way, lock. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Oh, I forgot why I brought him up, but I yeah. I go into the city and I'm I'm oh because you know because I would also go out. My brother and I would go to the theater every night. You know when I wasn't yeah. see some and my friends were my friends were from college all had their equity cards. They were all fucking working on Broadway immediately. Like my friend Jordan was in Les Mis. My friend Levette was working at Lincoln Center. You know they they all had jobs within the first two years, and I was like the loser still doing like you know, playing a Strindberg play because I had a wig and an off-Broadway, you know, non-union pizza hole, whatever. So I, I, I get home late. I'm like, I almost missed the bus. I'm like, I'm going to this audition. And the only thing I remember on my way there is that we stopped, we're stuck in traffic on 8th Avenue or something like that. And I look out and there's a homeless man 
with the most enormous penis I've ever seen peeing on the side of the bus. And I'm like, oh, it's such a New York day. I <laughs> think it's such a New York summer day. I, I, and it was, it was so striking. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds breathtaking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. These are the things you remember. Like, I remember Greg Luganis when he cracked his head open. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I remember that. That was awesome. I remember Michael Jordan coming back wearing 45 and then switching to 23. Yep. 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 Anybody else? Um, I remember yeah. the space shuttle blowing up. I was thinking that one. We I was thinking that one too. We did a podcast that's about story. That. I remember men landing on the moon. Yep. I. Yep. We're still trying to figure that. If you were like 20? 20, 20 yeah. I was uh, 45. I've seen video, any uh, or film, any homeless uh, penis on the moon that you recall, Jess? Not homeless. Mm -hmm. They all had. Homes. No homes on the moon, though. Well, technically, there were yeah, no. There, were, there, there, were, there was no real homes. estate. There was yeah. no real estate on the moon. Ian I mean, and I are together on this. Everybody on the moon is homeless. Well, technically, then Ian's homeless because he's outside his home. So. Oh, that's, that's true. Okay. Ian, let's okay. see. Let's see your cock. <laughs> That is not the point of that I was trying to make. Put it away. Put that away. Hey, Ian, the platform is called Zoom, and if you pull that thing out, we're going to actually have to Zoom. We're done. Karen is the only one that wants to see that. <laughs> Why would you assume uh, I want to see that? I mean, I do, but uh, what? You're the only one who's interested. Well, he, he, yeah. should find, he should find a bus to make the face. Yeah. Just because I identify as a heterosexual, Jesse, doesn't mean that I want to see every man's penis. Oh, well, then then nobody oh. wants to see it. Then I don't want to see it. Message, you message received. Message received. Okay. Anyway, I go to this audition, and, it, and it's wild because, like, it goes well, like they all do. And, like, obviously the director really likes me. Obviously the choreographer really likes me. Obviously the writer really likes me. And, they, and I, I was dancing with this guy named Carlos, and we were like, they were just like, just dance hotter. Like, just get hotter. Yeah. Like, nice. and I was like, oh yeah. So that was like fun, right? It wasn't like, it wasn't grimy. It was like, we, we were looking for hotter, sexier dancing. It wasn't grimy. It was, uh, now it would be intolerable, but it, it sure. was of the old school, you know, closer, sexier. And, yeah. and, um, and I, didn't, I didn't at all feel um, compromised in any way. Right. Um, and sure, this guy was really hot. Yeah. So and I, and then I was just having a good time, and I was just being myself. You were a fucking sensational dancer, and and I imagine so was he. And when you're dancing, something else happens, right? I mean, it's like when you're really grooving, you, you go somewhere else. It's yeah, you go to your brother's apartment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you knock twice to make sure the manager's not already in there. <laughs> I wouldn't have taken him home because he's, he's he came. He oh, put it away! Stop it! Stop okay. it! All right, all right, all right, all right. I was, in a, I was in a South American phase at that time, so if you hadn't been born in South America, I probably wouldn't have taken home. I was going through a thing. Um, yeah, no is shot. That, is that what you call the 80s? <laughs> it was part of the thing. I think South I was American phase? No, because there was Europe. I did Europe, too, and then I did Scandinavia. But, like, you know, I was... You are, I was, you are a model UN citizen. <laughs> I'm a global citizen. Anyway, I, this audition goes really well, and I'm like, that is so cool. And then I don't hear anything from them, and I'm still heartbroken over this paramour. Where on the earth was he from? My paramour? 
Yes. Was he New York? So he was oh, a okay. North American. Uh, yeah, yeah, but I still, I was still pining. My hormones were pining for him. Mm. You know, I have all kinds of theories about like the way that humans actually bond chemically when. But what happened to your boyfriend that you were with? Oh, he asked me to marry him, and I was like, no, and that was the end of that. Right. Yeah. As my husband likes to say, how many people proposed to you? I was like, all of them. Seriously or not? Did you did you did you mention as you were driving down the road, the homeless guy peeing on the bus did turn and actually ask you to marry him? He's like, marry me. <laughs> he pulled a he slipped a ring off. <laughs> I think it was a bracelet. Yeah, it was a bracelet. Than it. I was with my husband and my daughter not a year ago and got proposed to on the subway. Like it just, it, yeah. there's something weird that happens to me in Manhattan. You're a, you're a, you're a witchy woman. I am. So I don't hear anything and I'm like in my parents' house and I'm depressed and I don't really have any work except for like doing bad off, off Broadway non-union theater and the guy is now getting like soap opera work and all my friends are on Broadway and I'm a loser. Yeah. And uh, I get a call from La Masquerade and the guy's like, I'm sorry, you just, you just don't have what, you just don't have it. Oh, oh my God. Damn. And I, I didn't get it. I, I like, I, there was no, like no part of my ego or my self-confidence was affected in any way. I was like- Yeah, but still fuck terrible. that guy. And I was like, you're a motherfucker. Like all you're doing is like, getting people to work for you for yeah. free. Yep. But that afternoon I get a call from the producers at Dirty Dancing and they're like, will you come make this movie? Awesome. I was like, I'm making a movie! I'm making a movie! I cannot even begin to tell you. I still like, when I think about this, I love being on stage, but there is something about being on a movie set. The minute uh, later, when I got on the set, there's something about being on a movie set where I was like, it is the most natural place for me to be in the world. I love everything about making film. I love having to redo the same five seconds of scene and find something new in it because it's just new ways to improvise, right? Like you're finding the smallest yeah. box of art and you're making it fresh. And I love everything. And I love being pampered. I love having to make a person touch my nose up. And I, I love craft services. And I love that you work 16 hours a day and you're exhausted. It's like, it's like being in tech all the time. Yeah. I love everything about it. So. I wait, I'm gonna to go to this movie and I'm like, people are calling me like, you know, what about your hair? And like, you know, I'm getting like getting sides and stuff. And they give me a ticket and they're like, you fly to someplace in North Carolina and then we'll fly you to the set. I'm like, take the, the, the pedal jumper or whatever to this place. And then we're waiting in the airport and we get on this even smaller plane to go to, I think we went to Blacksburg first is where we first were. This is just like two days after you got the call? Or? Yeah. It was about um, like uh, two weeks afterwards. It, it wasn't that long afterwards, right? Because we started, we shot in like September, October or something was like that. There was enough time to start telling people, nah, I'm going to do a movie, so. I have to say like a lot of schadenfreude is like an impetus for me to do something. It's like part of my drive. In, but I also know that the, that the minute I start doing the art of whatever it is, I, that all goes. Like, I don't care. I love, like, I love this. Yeah. 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 So I get on the plane and there are two other guys, there are two guys sitting in the back of the plane smoking with me in the smoking section. Oh my God. And I know immediately that there are two other dancers on the, on the set. So the right. guy I had danced with in the audition, like 
turned down the movie because he had some TV show, like some cop show we got. And um, good luck, buddy. Yeah, whatever. My dance partner was it was, was, it, was it rock cop? In the, I might have been. Was that, what was that stupid Cop, fucking show? Cop Rock, but that was, Cop Rock, yeah, Cop Rock was after, like probably about 1986, 85, 86. So it, um, it, it, I don't know what it was. It was like, it was like a, a gritty inner city, like cop show. Yeah. This guy went on to be an actor. I don't know how much longer he had a career, but he like, you know, got gigs. And there's a lot of work in the eighties, man. Like yeah. as a dancer and as, and like uh, somebody like, there was just a lot of work and there, the studios were, crazy there was and there were videos like music videos there's just a lot of work and so it was a good time um not maybe such a good time to be like ethnic but it was a good time and um i immediately my desk partner sitting next to me and my and then soon be my best friend and housemate mr i'm in between them and we're immediately like emma jesus and i were immediately best friends like it just like it just immediately like uh we and we wound up being partners and we get to the set the first day well i will tell you this I get the script the first day and I call my mom and I go, this is going straight to video, mom. <laughs> you did? <laughs> did you, Karen, did you know anything about the production at that point? Like the production company or anything? I knew nothing. Not only did yeah. I know nothing. It was a total new stab in the dark. That was totally. like that well, it, yeah, It's funny and, and I don't mean to interject, but real fast, because I was texting Karen when Julie and I watched this. There's an amazing documentary series on Netflix called uh, The Movies That Made Us. And they yep. did four of them and one of them's Dirty Dancing. And oh. I didn't know most of this stuff, but Vestron, who ultimately distributes it, was a company that distributed porn. And that's like, they had this amazing movie and nobody wanted to distribute it. So this porn company is like, we'll distribute it. <laughs> so I just didn't know. And that's, that's still months away from where you guys were at that point, I would imagine. Ian will do it. Ian will do it. <laughs> yeah, Ian. That documentary is the only accurate thing I've ever seen on the making of the movie. It's and so there was, good. There was some serious footage that was taken by some like, and there were some amazing artists in the film, like the person who basically invented Steadicam. Yeah. 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 Um, and I learned, so I hung out with Ted Churchill and that's another story. I would hang out with him because I couldn't deal with the artificiality of people. And there wasn't a lot of reading going on. So, um, <laughs> so, but, but we guess that I really don't know. I don't know who Patrick Swayze is. Yeah. I only know who Jennifer Gray is because I know she's Joel Gray's daughter. I don't, I don't watch TV. I did not watch TV at all. He, I don't... he was he was the big deal, right? He was the big deal. She wasn't. She was. She had already made Ferris Bueller's. Yeah, she was. Right. They, yeah. I mean, yeah, and they was... had both already made. Um, uh, Red Dawn. Red Dawn. Red Dawn. Red Dawn. Red Dawn. Yep, thank Red Dawn. you. Yep. Which I did tell him one night as I sat. We sat and watched it. I was like, Patrick, this is a terrible movie. What <laughs> <laughs> movie? Shame on you, Patrick. <laughs> Yeah. This is better than this guy. Little, little did you know that every movie he ever made would be a cult classic. Every, every one. Every Brother, single. I will say, no, I will say this. Ian, I will sit with you when this quarantine shit is over and we will watch Black Dog. And if you can make it through that movie, ah. ooh, baby, it is not an easy one to get through. Yeah, it's right. a bad one. I'll, I'll give you we're, that. We're going to nitpick the one movie that wasn't a cult classic. Listen, I'm just saying. All that, did, all that guy did was make 
money for oh, everyone I, yeah, around I agree. And also, he made Tu Wang Fu, and it's the most beautiful oh, performance yeah. he ever yeah. gave. Oh, and that was... He was gorgeous. He was, he was gorgeous. He was also incredibly sweet. Yeah, oh. and, and, and talented at all sorts of things. I mean, he, he had his fingers in all sorts of pies. But I had no idea who he was. He had done North and South, and I was like, I don't know. Right. That's a TV yeah. show. I don't watch TV. I'm a snob. I was so identified as like, I go to the theater, I read books. I trip on homeless people because I'm reading uh, T.C. Boyle and they're big books and I, you know, I don't know where I'm going. I'm homeless cock, yeah. <laughs> I knew you were gonna say that. I was, I was so close to working that in. No, I was like, I'll let it go. I'll let, and then. <laughs> you, were, you were trying to figure out the words. I was like, uh, homeless cock. <laughs> homeless cock. <laughs> what, is the, what is the craftiest way I can put this? Homeless cock. <laughs> I love, I love watching you try to figure out how that went. I'm like, oh, Steve's gonna try to do this. Let me oh watch. my god! <laughs> <laughs> it's like Minority Report, but in slow motion. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> like Minority Report in slow motion. <laughs> this was Steve's soul. <laughs> <laughs> we just watched that. Um. So I get to the set. We're in a motel. Which we immediately named the Bates Motel because the actors who were named like were in the nicer hotel. We were at Lake Lore, so this is, this is we start shooting Lake Lore, North Carolina, uh, Lake Lore, West Virginia, which was a city. Hestus uh, and I are already were like running with this. The fact that it was a town that was buried in a lake and then artificial yeah. lake over it, and the dogs would face strange directions and howl at night. It, it had a certain vibe. Oh no. This film had Jerry Orbach and Kelly Bishop, and that was like, that's for right. me, I was like, I'm a New York kid, that's the original Sheila from Chorus Line. That's fucking Jerry Orbach. That's El Gallo. Like, he's right there. Like, yeah, yeah. I would walk up to him and I'd go, Allentown, and he'd go, shut up. No, <laughs> like, he would, he, and those two New Yorkers, they, and I stayed friends with Kelly for a while afterwards. He was the real star, right? Like, he, he, he was the New York star. He was like the big. He was the heavy. Yeah, he had the the name. Yeah. He's the reason they got money. The woman who was cast as the mother read the script and had the same reaction that I did, and immediately got sick the first day. And so they bumped the script. They bumped all the cast up. So my soon-to-be best friend, still best friend from the show, the movie, Miranda Garrison, who was um, I don't know what she was, but she became the bungalow bunny because Kelly Bishop, who was supposed to be the bungalow bunny, became the wife. So she was like the assistant wow. choreographer. Yeah. She's the person who taught us all, all the ballroom holes, all that stuff is my dear friend Miranda, who is astonishingly talented choreographer. And some of the funniest choreography you've seen in films is Miranda's stuff. Like she's amazing. But I didn't, I didn't know anything. I'm like on a set and I was like, I don't care. And I'm getting paid and they're giving me a stipend. Every, it's cash and there's- You guys all living there? <laughs> like basically like living at the camp? We live, yeah, so we lived at this, um, the first location. And um, so there are two locations. So we, we, we lived at both of them. Um, the, the first place, Lake Lore, was, uh, um, I guess a lot of the, out we did a lot of the outdoor scenes there. I'm trying to think like what we shot. We did a lot of the exteriors there. And the reason why I know this, because I'm coming to what happened the first day on the set, the costume, like so much talent, right? Like the customer and the makeup people are astonishing. Like yeah. they're like everything is down to like the, the and 
the customer and the makeup artist like had gotten my specs from when I, they called me. And when I walked in, they were like, well, they're pissed that I cut my hair, but they knew exactly how they were gonna. Right. So we're gonna do like the first day of shooting and we, we've been costume bidding, we've been rehearsing and we're gonna do the first day of shoot and it's just an exterior shot. It's when baby comes into the hotel and you see her driving in and you see all the activity. Right. So you see Wayne, um, who was this incredible improviser. You know, Wayne was on the British version of Whose Line Is It Anyway, Wayne Knight. We, I stayed friends with him for a long time. Another incredibly lovely person. And uh, you see everybody moving around. You see my friend, Jen, who see her like bunny hopping. You see all kinds of stuff going on. Um, and they have me in this amazing costume. I have the Polaroid of it. I've got 60s cat eye glasses. And I'm wearing like a Kellerman's, the Kellerman sweatshirt, which I still have upstairs. I wore it in two scenes in the movie. And um, like shorts. And the way that this hotel was, that we were shooting at, it was very big rolling hills. Yeah. And I, my cat eye glasses were like a thing. They were on, on chain. And I think they were like expensive or they were like an antique or something. And so the only thing Jesus and I were supposed to do were just like, we just, it was a shot. It was a, a big crane shot. And it was the whole place and the crane is rising up and it was like all these extras on the set and we're just supposed to walk a little bit like on the hill, like going to our next job on, at Keller Mints, whatever. And this is before video, right? It was at a time when we could have digital playback, when you could watch a shot and you know, you could have Patrick Swayze say, oh sure, why don't we call this the Karen Getz movie? to you sarcastically <laughs> when you're doing the finale, but you, we didn't have digital, it was on film. It was $10,000 yeah. every time there was a shot, right? right that was right. what they would tell you. Um, and it's my very first time in a movie and we're supposed to walk. <laughs> and I call, you know, hold, hold in the roll, you know, sound, speed, hold in the roll, action, background or you know, uh, you know, whatever, camera B and you know, background action or B action, whatever. And we go and I take two steps and I wipe out, but like, so wipe out that I roll from the top of the hill. <laughs> By the way, you're a dancer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, you know. When a dancer isn't very dancing, short. <laughs> when a dancer isn't dancing, there's nobody classier. I'm sure Hester had said something to me and cracked me. I don't know what it was, but I just, I rolled down the entire fucking hill. There are hundreds of extras. Like, this is like a huge setup, right? And none of them <laughs> fell. Yeah, not, not one. Not one. But I'm at the bottom of the hill, I, and, it's, and it's dangerous. I rolled down this enormous hill. I mean, it is enormous. I make, and I'm on the gravel, I land on the gravel and the PA comes running over to me when the PA comes and she goes, did you break the glasses? <laughs> I was gonna say, I'm guaranteeing you, no one was worried about you personally. <laughs> I think Kenny was, and I think that the director was like, you know, my body had some importance for like, you know, the next eight weeks of work. No, honestly, Karen, first shot, they don't give a shit. If that was like the 20th shot, now there's like yeah. continuity issues and it's like, yeah, no. oh, oh, but first shot. We yeah, need those it. glasses. First shot, we <laughs> yeah. have to replace the dancer though for the rest of the movie. But yeah, so um, so I ruined that that setup. Like I ruined it, thank you, all by myself by rolling down a hill. I love they, it. they went with something else? They just took you out and like went with something else? No, we went back to seven, back to eight, we went back, went back to one. 
Look back at one, roll up the hill, do it again. After, after you clean the mud off your body and pull the weeds out of your hair. Well, I mean, the thing is like, so if you have makeup and costume, they're on you immediately. Oh yeah. Powdering your nose and taking care of you. But like the fucking PA was like, did you break the glasses? <laughs> Down a hill. Uh, we went back to one and, and the thing is, Emil Ardellino, who died really young, was Fuck. this extraordinarily talented director. Like when you, if you watch Dirty Disney again, just watch the setup of the, these, ca- these shots are beautiful. And the DP, even though he was a coke fiend, he was brilliant. And then you have all these incredible cameramen working like- Why do you have to blame cocaine? <laughs> there was so much cocaine blame, on that blame set. Blame the hill. Yeah. Blame the hill. It wasn't me. And I, I honestly- Parents. Cocaine had nothing to do with it. But yeah, so that's what I did the first day of shooting on Dirty Dancing. Oh God. That, that, that movie had no right to do what it did to every single human being who watched it. Yeah. And I don't care where you came from or who you are or where, what upbringing you had. If you watched that movie, it affected you profoundly. And you didn't know why. It was like... No. No. What is, just, yeah, I had, I had just, nothing in common with any of the people. We didn't go, I didn't go away to summer camp with my parents. No. I didn't talk to my parents in the summer. And I was so engaged watching that movie. Oh just, my God, yeah. I cared about those people so much. But yeah. I, think, I think too, I think that, uh, you know, you, Jesse, to your point, you, I don't think you needed to really be able to be in that world. Um, you connected with the idea, like, you know, we were talking about Patrick Swayze and every movie he made was a hit. I was just thinking of something like The Outsiders, that idea of these were all the wrong people. Like you're not supposed to be with these people. And those are the people you want to be with. And they're the best people in the, like they're the people that you're, if you are with them, you stay with them forever. As long as you know, you don't end up in prison. That's that's what Baby did, right? She bridged, she bridged those things. And and like for Jerry Arbach, who was the one who was the, the, the pole, and yeah. the, the, who got the money to that movie? It was as, as it, it was just you know yeah. I don't dance. I, I never got to summer camp. I don't know yeah. why, why no one would put baby in a corner. I, I but my my wife and her sisters. She's the oldest of seven. They sang that song oh, yeah. that the sisters sang in. Oh Jane. Yeah, I mean. I'll like, introduce you. I'll introduce you guys. Yeah. So, um, but like it was, and then there was also, there was so much beauty, but also toughness. I mean, it was just, I had no reason to love that other, and, and, and Swayze was in a beautiful creature who could go from that to Roadhouse. Oh, he was the best. Yeah, he, I mean. Um, and he could, he could do all these things, but, um, but it was also, like you said, that the filming and the, the, the the attention to detail and your yeah. glasses and there was just a sense that yeah Karen uh, not to take sides but did you break those glasses <laughs> they probably told me the glasses were important so I, I probably rolled and like I probably like held them up right yeah. I, so them. I couldn't believe that I like I knew that every shot was so expensive oh my god. And also, Karen, are they upstairs next to the sweater right now? <laughs> <laughs> They're worth a lot. I didn't learn those tricks until later, like how to get your costumes when they fit really well. Like yeah. 
what you needed to do to make sure that you left the set with things. Yeah. But um, I learned that trick. Like, I, yeah. No. You don't need residuals if you can steal stuff off the set. <laughs> <laughs> that is your residual. 